have an um, incredible experience in the backcourt uh, with two like proven, tested veteran guys. Um, even more so than last year, you know, Brandon Averett was a grad transfer last year. It was such a huge part of our team. And it's hard to remember this, but a year ago at this time, everybody was saying, well, can Alex Marcello really be a point guard, right? Well, that's clearly been settled. Um, and so, and then this T. John Lucas adds such an incredible dynamic to our team, first in the locker room with being such a great human being and bringing so much joy to the gym every day. And, and then he just has his, like his happiest space is um, making plays for guys. Like he just is a savant. He's a genius at it, and he can make plays and make passes and and uh, you know create power plays uh, in a really just elite special level that we don't see a lot in college basketball. So uh, that that's a quality of this team that's exciting. We're really long through the middle between Gideon and Caleb and Seneca and Gavin and all these guys. We got unbelievable length through the middle of the lineup, which I think is super exciting. So it's a fun team, really fun group. Some of you guys have talked about joy in the gym mm-hmm. uh, in interviews. What does that look like to you? What are you What are you trying to do to in- implement that? Well, so, hey, um, Alex, how would you grade me in joy in the gym last year? <laughs> What'd you say? A D minus. A D minus. That's. Trev, would you give me a better grade than that? No. no. <laughs> So we talked with him about that a lot, a lot this summer. Last year was really, was really tough. And one of the ways why I really fell short with this team was was getting back to like, there were so many things consuming us with COVID and newness and challenges and expectations and and uh, changing schedules. And you know, my joy in the gym, the guys graded me out as a D minus universally. And so it's important. It's got to be fun. We have to bring joy in this gym. It's been a hallmark of our program since we've been together as a staff. And um, we did a poor job with that last year. And so it's something we're really focused on. Guys perform better uh, when they enjoy this game. Guys, guys build better relationships with the locker room when they enjoy this game. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean we're not going to push it like crazy. But it should be really fun. And um, these guys are making it fun for each other now in a really special way, and it's pretty awesome. How important is it to have that during the gym, particularly given the last, what it has been, like 18 months or so yeah. that we've been dealing with the pandemic? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I didn't, that I underestimated last year, that I was wrong as a coach, one of the many things was, um, you know, in some ways, you rely on this campus and these fans to bring so much of that joy and energy. It's like every time you go to a game in the Merit Center, you walk out and you can't hear for the next two days because the place has been so loud and all you're hearing is the joyful sound of the rock going crazy and people losing their minds and that stays with you. It stays in your heart and your soul, right? And so, and then and then you just feed off that as a team and then also these guys opportunity to go out at night like to go out and be with friends in the evening sometimes they didn't have any of that and so i did a bad job compensating for all of that loss but it's super important it's important if if we're going to function at the highest level if we're going to if we're going to call every ounce of potential we have out of this team then, then there's got to be joy that's got to be a, it's a foundational principle for us this is my my worst graded out principle last year
So, Coach, you talked about joining the gym as kind of a team goal right now. But, like, on the court, through this schedule, what, what's the team's goals? Yeah, so we'd like, to, we'd like to be a little bit more aggressive, play a little bit faster. We'd like to be better defensive, which would be hard minus Matt Harms because he was such a defensive force. He was just such an intimidating force at the rim. Um, we want to be better. We want to be a better rebounding team uh, on offense and defense. Um, we need to protect this ball better. We were an ab- we were we were an elite. I think we finished ranked 23rd offensively, and we we're like 165th, give or take something. We we're right in the middle of the field in terms of protecting the ball, which is really the the second biggest statistic affecting offensive efficiency after um, after your effective field goal percentage. So. You know, we got to protect this ball better. Um, so we got a bunch of things on the table right now we're trying to get better at and, and see if we can equate better. Um, and, and these guys have been working hard to do it. So it's going to be really fun. It's going to be fun to see what this team can do. This, this could be a really special team. When, when you talk about Tijon Lucas, and we've talked to you already a little bit about what he brings to this team and everything, yeah. but, but you, you kind of mentioned him in the same breath just now as BG yeah. and what he was last year and everything. Yeah. That's actually one of the first times that I've heard sort of that direct yeah. comparison. Yeah. Do you see him in kind of a, not just a similar mold, but yeah. playing in a, in a similar way? Well, he's a, he's a grad transfer, you know, in the, so that's similar. He's a veteran, veteran guy coming in. Um, so that's definitely similar. Um, he's he's uh, both guys incredibly talented players, but they're different. They're different in how they play. Um, but yeah, we expect him to come be a just like Brandon Averett was a huge force as a leader on this team. We expect Tijon Lucas to to be equally or more impactful for this team this year. How much does you, you and your coaching staff relish the opportunity to, to take all these moving parts and create yeah. something? I mean, yeah. you started that few months ago yeah. getting everybody together yeah it's really fun and it's um it actually is where it where it feels fascinating is on the court and on the on the you know clipboard but where it's really fascinating is in the locker room like that's where the magic of BYU happens and so we spend more time probably trying to assemble these guys in the locker room than we actually do on the court and it's probably more fun all of it's super fun Right to have all these pieces that 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 can fit together in an incredibly powerful, unique way if we get it right, and it's going to be super dynamic. It's going to be changing all the time, right? But if we get it right, we have pieces where this could be really special. So that's super intriguing. But like getting all these personalities to mesh and and all these dreams to like fit together and all these agendas to kind of like overlap. That's actually that's I think that's the magic approaching. Alex wasn't very shy with us when we asked him about goals and everything on the season. Yeah. He's like a 19th year senior, yep. so he doesn't have to That's be right. right. Um, he talked about wanting to win a championship. Yep. Everybody wants to win a championship. Yep. There's obviously a big roadblock in there. Yep. And some small Jesuit school from Spokane that I think a few people have heard of. Yep. Um, but how, how does this team kind of stack up in terms of not just wanting to compete for championships, yep. but but kind of getting to that point to where you can compete for a championship, yeah. especially as you kind of look at the last two years in, yeah. in this conference. Um, well, we're knocking on the door, right? So, and that happens. You see that when you watch the um, the trajectory of teams um, over a decade, right? 
and you see teams that kind of like two or three or four years in a row are kind of knocking on the door. They're just like fighting. You see old school NBA fans kind of saw this, right? You saw this with the Celtics and Lakers and the Pistons finally finally getting their way in. And you saw Chicago finally getting their way in. And like that idea, I think that can still exist in college basketball. And these guys are knocking on the door. Like we're knocking on the door hard. And... Um, you know, we we need to we need to keep our national relevance. We need to we need to finish this season again in the AP Top 25. Um, you know, that'll be the first time ever in the history of BYU basketball that's happened back to back to back years. It's a huge goal for us, and and in the process, what you do is you just keep pounding on the door, and then you trust that you're going to break through, right? So, um, so we're we're listen. This is also unforgiving league. There's a reason why no three years in the 107-year history of BYU basketball has there been a back-to-back-to-back top 25 team to finish the season, right? Because it's hard. But these guys have, have got their minds squarely set on the goals they're chasing, and, and um, we're hungry to do it. And so I think that's how you have the breakthrough. I think you're trying to keep better, get better every single day and then keep yourself in a position to keep knocking on the door until you get those moments where you finally break through. So that's, that's what we're thinking about. How much of your conversations with recruits now talk about the Big 12? A lot. It's a, it's a, it's a huge plus for us. I mean, you know, we, we, we're, we're, you know, you think about that conference. Just think about 23, 24, 24, 25. I mean, first of all, take Oklahoma and Texas out. It's still the best. I mean, based on the metrics from the incoming teams and the teams remaining, it's still the best conference in the country by far over the last seven years. And then you keep Texas and Oklahoma in there. Both those programs, I think, are getting better. Like, come on. It's like, it's incredible. So, um, you know, there's a bunch of factors that we've taught. You guys have just talked about so much that I know you're bored of it. But, like, first of all, the, the, the you know, they just had their Big 12 media day a couple of days ago and it's just it's it's like you know i'm begging jeff goodman to come here and sit courtside and watch a game i'm take care of him right and he's gonna get here because i'm gonna blackmail him to do it right <laughs> john rostein and dan o'neill and seth davis and everybody else um but those guys are rolling into that they're going to that media day right and so um so we're super excited. We're super excited about the time. Listen, this time zone of where you're seen is massively important, right? The fact that you can be seen, you can have a 5 p.m. tip-off Central Standard, you know, Mountain Standard Time, and a 4 p.m. tip-off Pacific Time means not only people get to watch the game, but all night long your highlights are running all night long, right? And um, so that's a huge advantage. The, the the breadth, time zone breadth of this league is a huge advantage. And um, these venues are, you know, they might not be the sexiest towns in America, but these arenas are some of the sexiest arenas in the country in terms of, like, fan base. And it's super exciting. And the competition level, you know, I read something the other day, the last some odd years, 147 players have been drafted out of the Big 12. And it's super exciting. So you're kind of looking forward to fewer than nine, 9.30 tip-offs? I'll take any tip-off we have as long as it's a big-time game and a big-time venue. Like, I just, you know, it's just as, it's what you live for as an athlete. And, and um, it's, you know, it's terrifying and it's daunting. There's no doubt about it. And, and it's going to be super humbling. But we couldn't be more excited. So we talk about this a lot because it is the future. It's where we're going and it's the future. And, and kids need to know that too because some, some guys don't want to sign up for that. 
some guys might not want to sign up for. And so we talk about it also as a way to filter out because you're going to be, you know, there's nowhere to hide. There's going to be nowhere to hide in that league. You're not having a, a game off, right? So super, super exciting. Not Get things a little bit sad again. Yeah. So going back to the pandemic, this is your second pandemic season because yeah. obviously we're still not out yeah. of this. Yeah. What did you kind of learn last year through the cancellations, postponements, yeah. just having, you know, this type of mental yeah. weight on yeah. you and now having learning how to carry it this season? Well, first thing, I just am so overwhelmingly proud of the, that roster last year. Like from top to bottom, it was an extraordinary group of young men. Like, they did something that's really incredible. And I probably didn't help them as much as they needed, right? They, they just were incredible how they battled for each other. Two, like, we're kind of building into practices and building into meetings and building into trying to grow the skill set of, like, hey, we don't know what's going to happen, so let's go with it. I'll give you a great example. We just had a private scrimmage. And so it turned out that because of some vaccination policies, some some COVID related things that we just found out a couple of days before we couldn't take our our whole roster, so we took a, a little bit of a limited roster, and um, and we spent zero time like bemoaning the fact that we it wasn't our full team. We're just like, hey, this is how we move on. We go on, and now we're going to go find a way to win this way. And um, I think we just got a lot of practice at doing that. So I think we've just become better because of the practice. And then the other thing I learned is is through this deal. Is, it, is this joy in the gym quotient is really huge for me. And so I need to, like, where I, I might have been functioning at a high level in a normal situation, as a staff, we have to, we have to quadruple our efforts to make that a reality. It's super important. Coach, you knocked on the door a couple times last year, leaving Gonzaga at the half and into the tournament against UCLA. What has the team, what have you and the team learned from those experiences to take the next step? Well, there's really specific things. Like, for example, you know, the, the second half against Gonzaga and, UC, and again, the whole UCLA game, for example, our, our ball screen continuity, the guys were already committing two guys to the ball. And um, so we spent all summer, you know, and we just weren't ready skill-wise and repped out-wise to really ring the bell the way we needed to. So we worked a ton on, like, finding passing windows. We worked on short rolls about our bigs coming back to the ball and them being actually the playmakers. And so, like, that's one tiny little schematic thing that I'm like, we're way better at. We spent a lot of time in the summer. A lot of little touch points like that. And then I think philosophically trying to make things like our analytical mantra, more better, less worse, is taking this all in overly like such a comprehensive view of how we approach the game analytically and at least giving it an incredibly simple interpretable foundation to base all that on right um so we spent a lot of time on that um we spent a lot of time on kind of working about our decision making and our ability to we need more playmakers on the court last year there were a lot of times when we only had one or two playmakers on the court and it's, we don't function at our highest level when we only have one or two guys with the ability to make plays and be decision makers on the floor. And so we spent the whole summer drilling over and over and over, giving our guys reps on decision making. So yeah, a lot. I mean, it's so much, but, but um, I do think we've gotten better. I think we're growing.